0: 10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State! Deflected into the hands of Phelps, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe,
1: the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. A
0: very rare Friday edition of the podcast as we roll into the weekend. The reason for it, well, I couldn't talk earlier in the week. Couldn't do a podcast because the voice happens to be essential mm-hmm. to this program. To the
1: operation, yep. Yeah.
0: You know, we let you peek behind the curtain on this program. We talk about that a lot. And while I was calling the series at Georgia State this past weekend, they had me in a very unique broadcast position. And I remember I sent you a text Friday night. Showing you exactly where mm-hmm. I was at. And look, we get along with everybody at Georgia State, people around the league. We're not bashing anybody here. I'm just going to tell you the way it was Yes, because on Because night.
1: here's the thing. As we talked about off the air, far be it for us to comment on somebody else's press box.
0: Especially in baseball. Yes. So, here was my setup. In the past, when we have gone to Georgia State, I've been in... The press box. Now, it's not a big press box, but I I had a spot there. Visiting Radio had a spot inside the Georgia State baseball press box. Because of the Sun Belt instituting replay, they have now kind of turned that into a replay booth where the old Visiting Radio booth was. So, what they've done, they've set up a tent outside field level right behind home plate kind of between the, the bleachers. I've got some metal bleachers between home plate and then a set of bleachers on the first base side. That's where the tent is set up. The tent also happens to be kind of right under a tree, and the pollen outside was extremely visible, and my allergies are uh, flaring up this time of year, and it affected me, and a battle for me just to get through the series, number one. And then after it was done, my voice was toast. So it was far from ideal last weekend. But uh, glad we're finally back and able to do this program once again. And and look, we're doing this today because we've got a lot to recap. Yes, You know, some of the biggest things that happened in the past week happened last Saturday. And I, I want to start with Pack Day because we talked a lot about day and i know you my friend put a lot of work into making this an all-day event starting with the cornhole tournament and memorabilia sale on the concourse we had the spring game the movie night afterwards just all in all and i know i sent you a text the other night kind of asking how it went you were pretty happy with the way it went right
1: yeah i mean i'll just say this and i don't remember if i said this last week or not but no, I did not, because this meeting had not happened yet. But in our, in our last meeting, kind of going into to pack day last week, I really appreciated something that Jeff Purinton said. He he, there was a big group of us. He said, "Look, we don't know how many people are coming to this thing. Right? There's a lot of stuff going on. It's a time of year where everybody's got a bunch of stuff going." He said, "Even my wife and kids have to be gone to a dance competition. So let's do it, do it well, and start the process of." Just everybody understanding that moving forward, this is going to be a day-long thing like we're doing it now. And so that was sort of the the approach, and I thought it was a very realistic approach going in. And then, uh, you know, lo and behold, by the time you get to the game itself, you know, the comment I heard the most is they thought that maybe the most people had a spring game since Gus Malzahn's year in 2012. How about that? Uh, I remember that crowd. Yeah, and I I mean, I don't know that anybody would or could have predicted that was the case. I mean, I know we did. a. Obviously, there was a lot more elements to it, a lot more hype around it, Uh, it pushed a lot more than any in recent history, and, and the fans responded and turned out in a big number and I think had a fun day.
0: We were worried about the weather. It held off. That was good.
1: It did until, I mean, I don't know where it got in relation to the movie. Very close to the end of it didn't get it all the way in before a storm blew through here, uh, not long before the bowling match. Uh,
0: As far as the game itself, though, we did have the spring game. And, you know, I know we talked a lot about the quarterbacks going in and the two young quarterbacks have been getting a lot of reps in spring practice. Talking about Jackson Daly, the redshirt freshman, he goes 18 of 34, in the spring game for 240 yards, a couple of touchdowns. And then the uh, extremely talented true freshman, the kid from North Carolina, Jalen Rayner, 32 of 51 for 333 and a score. And then Jeff Foreman, I'm looking forward to seeing how mm-hmm. he performs this season. Six catches, 138 and a couple of touchdowns. I don't know how much of the game you actually got to see, but what stood out well, to you?
1: And that's really Honestly, not a lot. Also, it reminded myself I was out of practice standing on the sideline because a side judge and I plowed into each other at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, rookie mistake. <laughs> For the side judge. Yeah. He needs to stay out of your way. That's right. No. Who does he not know who I am? But looks, I thought, yeah, Foreman made big plays. Even though he was sort of in a different color jersey, it's been, he wasn't mess all the way to the ground live. Corey Rucker out there running around catching balls. Was fun to watch because they found out last week that he's cleared, yeah, and good to big go. Big news. So, uh, you know, all in all, you know, I mean, obviously, where there you, you know, coaches, there was stuff that they went there and picked apart, but there was nothing glaring that people walked away saying, "Boy, that you know, this particular one thing or another just didn't look good."
0: And they gave away some team awards as well. The Larry Lacewell team MVP going to Johnny Lang Jr. And then Jordan Rhodes was the Withrow Award winner as the best offensive lineman.
1: Those are the awards the old warriors give. Yeah. And uh, they they were there. And it was also neat that um, Coach Withrow and Coach Lacewell, both their widows were both there and actually uh, a part of those presentations. So that was cool. And then, you know, football itself, uh, also at halftime, they gave away their their own, like their spring football awards and they, you know, the different awards they had, they handed out during the game also.
0: You mentioned bowling, of course, yep. you know, had the spring game, we had movie night, and then the bowling team was competing in the national championship Saturday night in Las Vegas, taking on Vanderbilt, going for their first ever national championship so close they led three games to one and end up losing in seven
1: a lot of what i have to say i'll save to the end where there's a section reserved for such things (laughs) um but yeah golly uh it was you're so close uh, you know, Jeff Purinton actually started his day in Jonesboro, and then when he knew that, you know, Friday night when when he realized that you know, we were in the in the kind of the, the clear path to the championship match, he booked himself a flight Saturday morning to Vegas, and was so he by the time they bowled, he was sitting there and. I uh, watched him compete for the national championship. but I know, you know, internally there's a lot of just, I mean, not like real debate, but like water cooler talk about, well, what do you do if you're Jeff? You know, if we're bowling for the national championship, it's the same day as the spring game. What do you do? And to me, like, I felt he was right where he needed to be. You got a team playing for a national championship. Sure. You need to be front and center for that. And he was, and I was glad to see that. And I I know our bunch was heartbroken and and felt like they let people down, but that's the last thing, last way they need to be feeling because quite honestly, it was amazing and fun to watch how many people, and even in the days since, you know, other people saying, gosh, there was a lot of people talking about bowling. And in the days, everybody you came across that they were watching the match Saturday night and Paige and I, actually, we went to the social, to the watch party, and that's where we watched the bowling match. And a lot so of people out there for there was that? a good crowd for that and chanting and hollering, and that was cool. And the bonus was apparently uh, what really kind of worked out for us is from the sound of it, we didn't have to hear that broadcast, which was to <laughs> our favor, too. One of the Vanderbilt players' mom was the color analyst you be in the kidding national me. championship match.
0: How does that happen?
1: Because she was a, they're a bowling family, a big-time bowling family.
0: All right. So national runner-up, and it's the third time in program history that that's happened. Second time in the last three seasons that's happened as well. Congratulations to Coach Now, we'll say at one Coach point I,
1: they did say, now you know, I don't think they're out there being unfair or anything in the broadcast because I heard at one time that, that actually they referred to this Arkansas State team and program as the future of college bowling.
0: Oh, wow. Hopefully the future is next year. That's right. More to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this.
1: When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows.
0: Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future.
1: Seasons are short, but
0: fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. One of the big events that happens involving our student-athletes every year are the state awards, the 11th annual state awards happening this past Wednesday. And because of my voice, I wasn't able to emcee this event. Thank you for stepping in and filling in in that role, but uh, always a neat event and a chance for the student athletes to get together, get dressed up, hang out, kind of uh, get recognized for everything that happened this past year. Now, some of the big awards, and we want to mention this, uh, Johnny Lang Jr. and Cameron Newton-Smith honored as the Terry Gwynn Award recipients, and really this goes to the top male and female student-athlete in all of athletics. Mm-hmm. Olivia Schmidt and Avery Feltz winning the Scott and Kay Dawson Awards. That is something that honors excellence and service, attitude, loyalty, character, and leadership. Faith Welch from the bowling team, given the uh, Highest academic honor, which is the Dr. Tim and Terry Langford Award. The breakout players of the year going to a couple of basketball players, Izzy Higginbottom and Omar El-Sheik. And then the freshman of the year honors going to Maggie Toma from the bowling team and then Dominic Zavada from uh, the football team. And a new one this year, the Heart of a Red Wolf Award. And I can't think of a better person to give this to going to Caleb Fields. Yeah. And we talked many times about the adversity that he battled through to get through the basketball season without missing a single game.
1: And that's just from a physical standpoint. And then, you know, and then looking deeper into it and, and also seeing you know, he lost his grandma during the season and didn't miss a game, played both games the weekend that happened. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's not a better person to get that award for the, the the stuff he did for the program and the university over the course of the season. And I'll shout out the soccer team. They've got a traveling award that goes to uh, a team that keeps possession of it for the entire next year as being kind of the team that does the most in sort of the the area of life skills. And one big part of that is going to other sports home events and and things like that. And there's a, a score tally. And anyway, the soccer team won that. Congratulations to them.
0: This was the first year that they held it inside the Fowler Center, and the student advisory committee. They they work extremely hard. Those athletes that are yep. part of that to put this event together, and they had some special things they, going. They on. did.
1: I really hats off to uh, to the, the SAC committee, Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Uh, they really they were in ownership of this thing, and, and from a staff standpoint, it really was a lot of people on the academic side that. That pulled this thing off, and they made some changes to it. Just moved it to the Fowler Center. They had some, you know, food orders and stuff early, but then came in, and you know, the award show itself was really fun and, and interactive. It's games with players and coaches kind of uh, icebreakers and get to know people a little bit and uh, it was cool and and I really think I mean the the athletes seem to really like it I mean the coaches you talked to was over said that their kids are really invested in it and and thought it was a a fun time so congratulations honestly to the SAC committee because they uh, they did a heck of a job putting this thing together.
0: Some other things to recap from this past week the baseball team they dropped two out of three last weekend to Georgia State Losing in a shootout Friday, eighteen to thirteen, then came back and won on Saturday, eleven to three. Great pitching performances there from Kyler Carmack and then Arlen Butts pitched the final four innings of that one to close out the win, and then lost the series finale on Sunday, six to four. I thought one of the big highlights of the weekend was Alan Greer, who started all three games in center field, but he's from Atlanta, had a bunch of family there watching him all weekend long, and he had, by far, his mm-hmm. best series of the season. Six for 12 in the series. He had a grand slam in one of the games and drove in a total of nine runs on the weekend, so that was uh, fun to see. And then, you know, the Red Wolves played a close game Tuesday night against Ole Miss in front of the biggest crowd of the season and uh, ended up falling short 6-3. to three.
1: Yeah, i got to say something about this crowd. I mean, look, you always know, you know when Ole Miss comes to town that there's going to be a bump. But it's not like, I mean, and the crowd was announced just over 1,000. And it's not like it's because 800 Ole Miss fans came. Because quite honestly, they're probably not playing at a clip where a lot of people are following them around right now. You know, they're, they're three and 12 or whatever it was in the SEC going into the weekend. So man, you just looked up and all of a sudden here were all these people coming in. You looked out the back window of the press box and they were still lined up waiting to buy tickets and you looked out in the right field and the trucks were three deep out there. And it also, you're like, man, there are a lot of people here and uh, appreciate everybody, you know, turning out like that on a $2 Tuesday. And the funny thing about it kind of to connect the, Ole Miss game to the spring game the initial plan was that you know the two dollar concession stand item for the old Miss game was going to be pretzels the two dollar pretzels but the concessions folks sold too many of them at the spring game really? more than they were planning on so it's like they had to <laughs> pivot it was two dollar hot dogs now I think next week against Henderson is when it's gonna be two dollar bring, bring
0: back the pretzels yeah Men's golf team, congratulations to them, Uh, co-champions of the Tunica Intercollegiate. That was the final tournament of the regular season, tied for first in that event with UTA. And Thomas Schmidt was the top individual finisher. He finished at five under, which was good enough for third.
1: And uh, made him, uh, for going back to that week of April 13th, back, he was the Sunbelt Golfer of the Week.
0: Women's golf finishing third at the Sunbelt Championships in Daytona Beach. That was at LPGA International. It tied for their best finish at a conference championship since the 2000 2001 campaign. Elise Schultz finishing fifth in the event, and our uh, friend Olivia Schmidt finishing sixth in That's her it, final. talk about event. matching
1: their best finish in 20 whatever years because it matches the finish they had last year, their second yeah. straight top three finish. At the conference tournament, and uh, Elise Schultz and Olivia Schmidt, both named to the uh, Sunbelt all-tournament team at the conference championship.
0: Tennis team beating Lyndon Wood last week six games to one. Then they dropped a couple of close matches to Troy and to Georgia State. They're getting ready to finish out the regular season this week. Go
1: ahead. Well, I was to say, I'm not being funny here. It's actually worth noting that they dropped close matches because yeah. you know they hadn't hadn't played in a lot of those earlier in the year, and so no, like they you could see, you know, with uh, Coach Del Magro kind of already kind of coming in, things already kind of slowly starting to turn around, and he, the tennis team will will be on the upswing as well. I don't yeah, think there's was, any doubt about that? It
0: was four three in both of those against Troy and Georgia State. Uh, track and field. Another big weekend. They were out in California last weekend. Uh, four school records falling over the weekend. Jacob Pyatt winning the men's 10,000 in school record time. Hannes Fall setting a school record in the 800. Colby Adal setting a school record in the decathlon. And Rahel Bromel, how about the season this freshman's having? She set a school record in the women's 5,000 meters, breaking the old record by over 25 seconds. And then the next day, she broke her own school record in the 1,500 meters. And also over the weekend, Sarah Trammell taking first place in the women's 10,000
1: meters just a whole home just another weekend another weekend for the track and I mean, yeah really what do you say
0: we'll be back to take a look ahead to the weekend ahead for a state athletics when we wrap things up on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank
1: your first home is like this dream the day you walk in the sun seems to shine more brightly the ceilings they just seem taller and you'll never fix that
0: creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort what a hug would sound like if it made a sound And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Taking a look ahead to the weekend now. The baseball team at home and can't stress enough just how big this series is against ULM as we record this on friday getting ready for the series opener tonight at 6 and then saturday at 3 sunday at 1 now i did see something cool coming up tomorrow right we've got the as,
1: yes if you we've this got on the friday
0: batting helmets uh that will have a scoop of ice cream in them right
1: yeah and there's actually like it, it kind of looking around for what day to do this had ordered these batting helmets is a cool little giveaway because people love going to Major League ballparks and getting the, the mini batting helmets.
0: When I was a kid, that was like my favorite thing. I mean, when I'd go to a, a Ranger game growing up, I remember going to the Blue Bell stand, and they'd have all the different batting helmets you could choose from. Now, I can't remember how many ranger batting helmets we had in our kitchen i mean there, there were probably a stack of 20 of them yeah. at one time but i love collecting these
1: so we've got them for arkansas state with the uh, you know that asu logo baseball uses just like on their batting helmets and then uh and i'll care uh gj jumper who just happens to be Cross's dad yeah is uh you know kind of over our concessions uh with Sedexo and he's helped us out uh, help getting us some ice cream and so saturday when the gates open First 200 people getting a free batting helmet with a scoop of ice cream in it. Love it. Track and field, a big weekend.
0: They're actually at home hosting the Red Wolves Open Friday and Saturday at the track and field complex. And, uh, big week for men's golf. Yeah. They, uh, will be at the Sunbelt Championships in Madison, Mississippi, just outside of Jackson. That's a four-day event, Monday through Thursday. They'll be competing
1: there at the conference championships, so good luck to Coach Hagan and his team. Yeah, because the men's tournament and the women's tournament don't have the same format. The women's play 54-hole stroke play, and that's it. Well, the men's play a couple rounds of stroke play, then the top four move on to match play to decide the conference championship.
0: All right, so big week coming up for the golf team, and uh, tennis going to round out the uh, regular season. They'll be at Southern Miss Saturday at noon. Now you kind of teased what you need to get off your chest here.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna we're go going back, back to, to bowling. bowling, yeah, okay. and we're gonna talk about the NCAA championship, collegiate bowling championship. Now, before we go say anything else, let me say this and say it loud for the people in the back. When you're up 3-1, you got to find a way to win a match. And I think our kids and coaches will be the first ones to tell you that. Sure. Up 3 to 1, you got to find a way to win. And I also think that when you look at the scores put up in this final, if I'm guessing in a moment of honesty, both teams, Arkansas State and Vanderbilt would tell you they probably didn't bowl all that well cuz both teams averaged in the mid 180s for the match. When in Baker play Against Vanderbilt in the first round, we averaged 219 in oh, Baker wow. play. And against Nebraska, averaged 214 in Baker play. So, both teams will say, hey, probably didn't bowl as well as we could, and a lot of things go into that. Probably lane conditions and certainly the stage, without yeah. a doubt.
0: national TV.
1: But there are some things about this championship that have just got to be pointed out. The biggest one's probably not getting fixed. And there was a minor one that's an easy fix that I actually think is going to be addressed. But both of them turned out to work against Arkansas State. And when these four teams go to the national championship, they understand the format sets up for somebody to potentially kind of take a screw in, in that it's a double elimination tournament for everybody except the team that goes 2-0, and they don't get to play double elimination. Because they play these mega matches that we've talked about with Coach Kostick where you do a game of five traditional games, a block of five Baker games, and then if it's tied, you go to Baker match play. And that's who wins a match. It's a long thing. And that's how they do all this double elimination with these four teams yeah. until you get to the finals. And because, I mean, who are we kidding? TV rules the world. You go play a completely different short made-for-TV format in the final that's just best-of-seven Baker play, which is not anything you do to that point except for maybe to break a tie. And so by beating Vanderbilt and Nebraska in these mega matches, forewent our opportunity to lose twice. It was not double elimination for us anymore.
0: But we punched our ticket to the championship.
1: And like I said, you know that it's not the fairest, but you know it going in. That somebody's going to be 2-0, and o, get to the final, and then got going to have to play a completely different format because of TV. It sort of is what it is. Is it the best when it turns out you're really trying to crown the best team in the country? Yep. Yeah. No. But you understand the rules of engagement because TV rules the world. Now, so not only did going 2-0 take away our opportunity to lose twice, this match gets tied at three. When the match is tied at three and it gets to a deciding game, one of the teams gets to pick what lane they're on. So in this case, what team you think got to pick?
0: Well, I know. It was Vanderbilt.
1: Vanderbilt. Because they were the technically the two seed, and we were the three seed. So forget that we Go, were already...
0: Going into the going tournament. Going into yeah. the tournament.
1: So forget that we were 2-0 and oh and had already beaten Vanderbilt. When it came time for a one-game, game-seven winner-take-all, Vanderbilt got to pick which lane they wanted wow. to bowl on. So te- what I'm telling you is that there's literally... They build this thing where there is zero advantage to going 2 0. Even to the point like, so Vanderbilt technically, like, bowled a, well, not technically, Vanderbilt bowled another match that morning against Nebraska to see who was getting to Arkansas State in the final. Now, when you're 2 and 0, you'll probably say, hey, I'd rather have the rest. But I don't, I really, sure. but I don't know if they mean it. That
0: seems like something that could easily be addressed going forward.
1: Well, the easiest thing the, the the number one thing that's the easiest of all this to address and word is they're going to address it is that if you're the team that's 2 and 0, since every other advantage has been taken away, you should get lane choice in game 7. I would think so. Period. Yeah. I mean, that's easy. And I do think that's how it'll be moving forward. There's got to be some kind of advantage to be in the team that was two, that was 2 and 0. Because to me, I know Vanderbilt had to bowl an extra match, but you know what else Vanderbilt had to do two times? They had to go bowl with their season on the line. Our kids hadn't been in that spot. And then just one more kind of little cherry on top. When somebody gets to three wins, which we happen to do after game four, it's then and only then that they go pull out the national championship trophy and set it (laughs) on the approach in sight once we got to three wins. Not the whole match. Just when you get when to three. You get, when we got the three wins, they pulled the national championship trophy and set it oh, inside. Man. Pressure's really on at that point. Yeah, I mean, so either put the stupid thing out there the whole time or don't put it out till somebody wins it. But why are you going to let a team get one win away and then make them sit and look at it?
0: These are all good points.
1: The TV thing's not getting fixed because, because it's TV. The lane choice thing, I think, will. And you've got to find a way to reward the team that's 2-0. and You've already taken their – it's not double elimination for them anymore, so you got to give them something. They've, they've got to have lane choice. I mean, that's not very complicated.
0: Well, this program is in really good shape. I have all the confidence in the world that they'll be back very soon. And hopefully, when they do, these issues will be addressed. And,
1: and there may be some kids – there may be some kids – You're moving on because you got, you know, stuff gets out of whack with COVID and how many years you play. Yeah. So there may be some kids that can move on, but technically, there wasn't a senior in the lineup.
0: Lost in all this, the fact that, hey, it was another great season. Yeah, absolutely. And runner up nationally for the second time in three years is is nothing to hang your head about. No,
1: it, it sure is not. And I just, gosh, I just, oh, my heart just broke for them because, I mean, they were. Oh, and by the way, too, if you play a a five-game Baker block like you do in every other match, at the end of five games in this match, we were up by 24 pins. That even counts the fact we were up 24 pins, counting the fact that Vanderbilt won game five by 49, and we were still up by 24 pins. (laughs) So, anyway, our kids and our coaches are going to tell you, you got to win a match when you get up 3-1, and they're not wrong that there should be some light shed on there's just some things that as the sport continues to grow and evolve that there's things that you learn on the fly need to be addressed and really like i said the the biggest one is fix the lane choice situation clearly should go to the team that's two and oh
0: as always we appreciate you tuning in we'll be back with another edition of the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank here in the next few days and we're planning to be joined by a very special guest in studio looking forward to that in the meantime for brad i'm matt have a great weekend everybody